Let's read from 1 Kings 22. We're going to start in verse uh, 4. And Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah at the time. And Ahab is the king of Israel. And Ahab is a wicked king. And he's asked Jehoshaphat if he would come fight with him against the Syrians to reclaim claim a piece of land from the Syrians. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, verse 4, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet here a prophet of the Lord besides, that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let, let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. <clears throat> and Zedekiah, the son of Chanana, made him horns of iron. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, With thee shalt thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed, have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was going to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee, that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills, as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail. Go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and and the Lord had spoken evil concerning thee. But Zedekiah, the son of Chanana, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, 
which way would the Spirit of the Lord for me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see it in that day, when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in thee, and you, than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's a wonderful passage. When he says in verse 2, I just want to explain it. Uh, Hereby we know the spirit of God. Everyone that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That almost sounds too simple. Does he really mean just whoever says Jesus came? That's not what confess means. First of all, confess means to agree with God. And so to me, the whole thing is lining up in agreement. If I confess within my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God has raised Him from the dead, I'll be saved. And I believe that's what's spoken of here. That uh, every spirit that confesses, every word of this is important. Okay, in agreement with God. Every spirit that is in agreement with God that confesses Jesus, that that is Jesus the Savior, okay, that was to come. Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one of the Lord. Every spirit that confesses that God has come in the flesh and He is Jesus Christ, that's Him. And is in agreement with that. Because the devils believe and tremble, but they're not in agreement with Him. They're not under submission of the Lord. So I just wanted to to clarify that because we almost think that's too simple. A lot of people will say Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You know, a lot of people might even say He's the Savior of the world. But every spirit that confesses this is of God. It's in agreement with that. Okay? Now I want to get back to the story, the long story we read. That's going to be our theme for today. This story about Micaiah, the prophet, and in Ahab's day. And when we read this story, they're, they're wanting to know, should we go fight or should we not go? Ahab really wasn't that interested, but Jehoshaphat said, can we inquire of the Lord? See what God has to say about it. So in inquiring of the Lord, they... Ahab calls his 400 prophets before him. But Ahab's not a godly man. And Jezebel, his wife, is not a godly woman. And they're not following after the Lord. And so he calls his prophets to come before him. And they do come in the name of the Lord. They're not coming in the name of Baal or something like that. They're coming in the name of the Lord. And everyone to the man said, Go. Go up. You're going to prosper. They said the same thing. They said what the king wanted to hear. And we're told in verse 8 that Jehoshaphat, I think he's catching on to this pretty quickly, and he was a follower of Jehovah. And he says, isn't there a real prophet here? Isn't there somebody that we can inquire of the Lord? And Ahab makes that statement, there is yet one man. But I hate him, okay? I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but only evil. 
But I'm thanking the Lord. God has His man. He says there's one man. And can I tell you that we find through the Bible and we find it in our day, if we're to look and if we're going to see through God's eyes, God always has His one man. Amen. Sometimes it's more than that. Amen? But He's always got His man. He's got that man that hasn't sold the Lord out down Amen. the river. He hasn't um, <coughs> compromised the Lord. He hasn't sold out to what's popular. God has His one man in the midst of all the false and in the midst of all the fake and all, all the lying that's in the name of the Lord. In the midst of all the men-pleasers and the deception and the compromisers, God has His man. Amen. He always has His man. And I said, oftentimes it's more than that. And He has His women as well. But He has men such as Noah. The Bible says that all flesh had corrupted Himself upon the earth. But the Lord speaks to Noah and says, Thee have I found righteous in My sight in this generation. And the Bible says Noah found grace. And Noah is the one that became a preacher of righteousness and built the ark. And, and life was preserved through Noah, and his life was preserved as well. God has always had his men like Samuel when Eli was a not necessarily a wicked priest, but a compromising priest and lax. And his boys were definitely wicked. They, they had uh, fornication at the, the gate of the tabernacle, at the temple, and had corrupted things. That was the priesthood in Samuel's day when God raised up his man. The light in the temple that was never supposed to go out was about to go out when the Lord spoke to Samuel. God's always got His man. He had Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, to intercede for that country and to warn them of the coming judgment of Babylon. You're going to be carried away. And nobody wanted to hear Him. They took what He wrote down and threw it in the fire. The king did and burned it. And uh, he was thrown into prison. God's had His men like John the Baptist who said the axe is laid to the root of the trees and every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is going to be hewn down and cast into the fire. Prepare the way for the Lord. And He's thrown into prison and beheaded. God has always had His man in them. The man of all men. The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ who came to be the Savior of the world. He's not, God's not panicking. He's got His man. He sent out Jesus from His own right hand and got Himself the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this case, He had Micaiah. That man that God chose, chooses is never the most popular. You understand what I'm saying? He's never the most popular. And the, those that are like Him are never the most plentiful either. Their oddity even in the church or in the church world among the people of God as Micaiah was. Even in the Christian circles, not accepted. God has His man nonetheless in every age. And I would say, oh, how they're needed in every age. Amen? Oh, how they're needed in every age. He has that man that's separated unto himself. It's unnoticed by the world. It's unnoticed, he's unnoticed by much of the church world. Okay, Hated by the masses and, and hated by those that uh, falsely represent the Lord. That claim to represent the Lord, but don't, act, don't actually represent Him. Okay, Elijah, the Bible says, uh, he spoke to Ahab even before what we read in chapter 17. And he says, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand. These men of God that He has chosen, that are His men for the hour, they're people that stand before the Lord. They know Him. It's like what uh, Ethan talked about in Sunday school this morning. That habit of prayer and that lifestyle of prayer does a work in the life of the man to where they are become a man of God and a man of prayer. It's not just the things that are done through their lives. God uses them to do things through their life because they are that man of God. 
Elijah was a man, he says, as the Lord God lives before whom I stand. I'm not just standing before a king. That's nothing. I'm standing before the king of kings. And that's my life. And that's my, uh, my pattern of life. And Micaiah was such a man as that. And, and he, he was that one man that could prophesy because he knew the Lord and he walked with the Lord. And the Bible says of that, there is yet one man. And Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. That's when, when the king's servant said, hey, look, here's what all those 400 prophets are saying. You better fall in line when you get there and just say the same thing they're saying if you want to make it easy on yourself. But let me tell you something. What we're talking about today, we're talking about truth versus error. We're talking about what's true versus a lie. We're talking about true versus false. Light versus darkness. Deception versus... Uh, reality, what claims to be of God and what really is of God. Who claims to be of God and who really is of God. Now the Lord knows. He's not confused. We can be confused about it. That's why we read in 1 John to try, try the spirits and test the spirits. Beloved, believe not every spirit. He's telling us that. Don't you dare believe every spirit. Think that's kind and acceptable and loving and warm. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try them whether they be of God. Because, why? Many false prophets, they go in the name of the Lord, but they're not of the Lord. That's why we have to test them. That's why we have to try them. Because they go forth and they say, Jesus Christ, just like the real says, and the truth says, but they're not of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? We have to, to test those spirits and find out. The Bible says that Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies. That's who he is. That's what he is. Just as Christ is the truth and His Word is truth and the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, the Bible says this, this then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. There's no mixture. There's no blending between the two. There's no little bit of truth and a little bit of error. You know, you hear people say that they really it's just a spiritual ignorance. That I believe there's a little good in all men. There's a little good in all religions. We'll take and glean the best from the best and you know, leave out the rest and so forth. That's not the case. Jesus Christ is light and in Him is no darkness at all. There's not a little bit to glean from Him. There's followed at, your, at His knees, followed His feet and give your life to Him because He's the truth. And in Him is no darkness at all. Satan is a liar. The Bible says, uh, but ye have, beloved, ye have an unction from the Holy One. 1 John chapter 2. And you know all things. Well, how do I know all things? Because of the Holy Ghost. That's the unction from the Holy One. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The discern, discerning uh, ability and power that the Holy Ghost is in the believer. Not just somebody telling you we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. And he says that, uh, that he says, Beloved, I'm not written these things unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And then no lies of the truth. There's just not a mixture. There's not a blending. And so we know it. The truth is the truth and the lie is a lie. And that's it. And the lie and the false will claim to be the truth, but it's not. I know this sounds very simple and elementary, but it's not. It's, it's something we need to know and understand. The lie will claim to be the truth. It won't say I'm a lie. Don't listen to me. Nor will the false prophet say I'm a liar. I'm a false prophet. Don't listen to me. They'll claim to be the truth. 
And the deceiver will proclaim and profess to speak on behalf of the Lord. And they will appear in many ways to be godly and of God and to be right and to tell the truth and to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. But they are not of the Lord. And they do not represent the Lord. The false one does not. Can I tell you that Satan has a whole other agenda? Satan has a whole different agenda. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy. Some men, I think, they give themselves over to that and they become pawns and are used. I think some knowingly do it. I can't answer for all that. But the point is that that is Satan's agenda. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not, I like this pastor, I like this, but I don't like them. It's not about that. It's about the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. And the discernment that the Lord gives us and is for our protection and is for our good. And He says, take heed that no man deceive you. Right? And so the, the deceiver will claim to represent the Lord, but they are not of the Lord and do not represent the Lord. And so Satan's most effective strategy is what? What's his most effective device? He can come on a frontal attack and say, I'm Satan, and some people follow him. They want they are Satanist. Alright? Most people that are not of the Lord are not Satanist though. And I don't believe most people that are not born again and are follow the God of this world, I don't believe most are demon possessed either. But I do believe he comes in his most clever and effective strategy, and he's had a lot of time to hone his skill, is deception. Right? Deception. This is not to make us shake in our boots and be afraid. We just read that greater is he that's in us Amen. is he that's in us than he that's in the world. It is make it to make us open our eyes and to listen and to take heed and to pay attention and be aware of it. Don't stick your head in the sand and say, because that pastor's really nice and I really like him, he must be right. Or that preacher or that book or that author or that TV evangelist um, or that gray-haired old lady does not matter. Satan is a deceiver. He beguiles. He seduces. He perverts truth. He twists Scripture. And he says, Thus saith the Lord. He comes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he is not of the Lord. I'm going to read this myself. I'm going to tell you where it's coming from if you want to take notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13-15. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into what? We know the Scripture. Into the apostles of Christ. They transform themselves. They're not saying, I'm a Satanist. They're not saying, I'm of Satan. I'm trying to steal, kill, and destroy. They are transforming themselves. The Lord hasn't done it because they're not of God. They transform themselves into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if His ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Okay? God's not deceived, and He's going to deal with it, and He's going to handle it. Uh, But I want you to turn with me just quickly. I wasn't necessarily going to read this, but I want to read it quickly. John chapter... Uh, 24. It's the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sorry, Matthew 24. The Sermon on the Mount. We're just going to look at a couple of Scriptures here very quickly. Matthew 24, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no, no man deceive you. For many shall come in My name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They're coming in His name. They're going to be effective because He says they're going to deceive many. Alright? 
Again, this is not to make us scared to, to, to uh, you know, peek around the corner thinking a, uh, a demon's going to jump on us every turn that we turn or we can't talk to somebody and go to a Bible study because they might be a false prophet. No, go in the power of the Lord. Go fill with the Holy Ghost. Go pray up. Be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. Walk closely with Jesus. Walk with the Lord. Ask Him for discernment. Ask Him for protection. And go and live your life. But understand that this is ongoing. This is out there. Jesus said it was going to be this way. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And then let's skip down to verse 23. Then if any man say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. I think it's important that the Lord told us before. That little verse 25, I think it's important. So we're not taken off guard. So we're not surprised by it. We're not confused and say, well, the Lord never told me it would be this way. He's told us before. It's going to be that way. He's also told us He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's also told us nothing can pluck us from the Father's hand. He's also told us that we're kept by the power of God through faith. And so again, this is not to live and fear this. It's to be wise. It's to understand. If I went fishing and got up early, went out before daylight and planned a trip to go fishing at the spillway or something. I'm not scared to go, but I'm also thinking, you know what? I need to be. I need to have a life jacket in the boat. I need to have a flashlight in case we get caught after dark. You know what I mean? I need to make sure my cell phone doesn't get wet in case I get in a bind out here and have to call somebody. There are some plans. I'm not afraid that all those things are going to happen, but I'm going to be prepared and aware. I'm not going to take out and go five miles back in the swamp without knowing if I got enough gas in the boat. I'm going to be ready. And so that's what uh, a message like this is for. Is for. So let's go back to our story about Ahab and Jehoshaphat and the 400 false prophets in Micaiah. There was only one of the false prophets that we know his name, and that's Zedekiah, because he was his name is mentioned twice in that passage. But listen, these false prophets that stood before the kings, they had a position, didn't they? They had a position in a worldly sense of of prominence. They had a they stood before kings, literally stood before two kings. These kings had their... I just kind of want you to try to picture it in your minds. The Bible says they, they were both on their thrones. Two kings of two nations, powerful men. And they were on their thrones. And, they, and the Bible makes sure to tell us they had their robes on. And so they were in that official position of, of authority and leadership. And these 400 prophets stood before them. And they said with, with one accord, literally, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And you just go, wow. I look at that and I try to picture the scene in my mind. Two kings, they want to know what the Lord's Word is. At least Jehoshaphat does. And the other kind of just goes along with it. Before they go fight, they're going to bring a nation to war against another nation. They want to know what God has to say about it. And all 400 are saying, yep, you go, you go for it. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And y'all, I, can, I believe... This is similar to, to any era, any day of any false prophet or prophecy. These were clearly false prophets, okay? But in, in their day as well, they, they probably seemed very spiritual. Had you been sitting there as just a bystander looking at the whole scene, they probably seemed spiritual. 
Now, the Bible doesn't say these things happen, so I'm not saying it happened. I'm saying maybe, okay? Maybe. Maybe at times when they're prophesying, because they prophesied a long time. They didn't only originally say it, but when, when the messenger went out to go find Micaiah and bring him back, the 400 were still there before the two kings prophesying the whole time while they're waiting on Micaiah to get there. And, and maybe at times they shouted with a great boldness, Thus saith the Lord, and God had said. Maybe times they got really loud. Uh, maybe at times they got very quiet and hushed tones and you know, got a real spoken in a real serious voice. Maybe at times their hands trembled when they were prophesying. Their voices trembled and shaken. and they didn't talk like they normally talked. And they seemed very spiritual. Uh, maybe, maybe they had a faraway look in their eye and a mysterious look in their eyes they prophesied. We know that Zedekiah made two horns out of iron and said, Thus with these, so he even had a prop, okay? With, Thus has the Lord said with these, you're going to drive the Syrians till thou hast consumed them. I just want you to picture it. 400 of them. Prophets. Okay? And yet, they seemed spiritual. They seemed spiritual. And even ridiculed, at least Zedekiah did, Micaiah, and says, who are you? Who are you? Where did the Spirit you know, uh, slap him in the face? Where did, when did the Spirit or where did the Spirit leave from you and I mean, me and go to you so you could prophesy. Just ridiculing him, mocking him, slapping him in the face. Um, we have position before kings, Micaiah. We're standing before kings. And this was probably their attitude, and it was arrogant. Micaiah was outnumbered 400 to 1 in this little scene right here. And all the 400 prophets said the same thing. All 400 quote men of God said the same thing. No dissenters. You know what I mean? There wasn't one that stood up and said, maybe we ought to rethink that or I disagree with this. All 400 fell in line. Not a peep. On the contrary. It must be, they must be right then, right? If you were part of that congregation or standing around, they must be right. All 400 of them have said the exact same thing and they're just feeding off of each other and, and going with it and nobody's dis, in any dissension or raising a question or even a slow down or time out or let's examine this. Nobody. 400. All on a roll. No dissension among the group. They must be right. They couldn't all 400 be wrong. Certainly, if some of them were wrong, then, then some of the others that, that stand before the Lord, they would correct them and, and set it straight, right? But they didn't. 400 prophets, all falling in line, all saying the same thing. Micaiah's outnumbered 400 to 1. But you know what? They weren't spiritual. They seemed spiritual, but they weren't spiritual. They had not heard from the Lord, even though they said, thus saith the Lord. They hadn't heard from Him. They didn't speak the truth. They didn't speak on His behalf. They didn't know this God that they claimed that they know, knew, and they didn't represent this God that they claimed to represent. Micaiah did. The man of God did. Amen? John the Baptist did. Elijah did. The Bible tells us that. The proof's in the pudding, so to speak. God testifies of them. All right. Not that they're perfect men as opposed to sinners. We're all sinners in need of God's sovereign grace to save us. But they knew God and walked with the Lord. Moses did know the Lord. Okay? John the Baptist did. Elijah did. Samuel did. Jeremiah did. 
uh, Noah did, and so forth. The man of God, like Micaiah in this instance, he was detached from the world. In other words, the strings were cut. He, he didn't have any uh, desire in him to fit in with the others. Even those in his crowd, which would have been the, the church crowd, the minister's crowd, the prophet crowd of the Lord. He didn't have a desire to fit in. He didn't have a desire to be successful. He was a servant of the Most High God. And you'll find that all through the Bible. God has His men and women that are servants of the Most High God. And everything else is peons compared to that. And every other accolades and adoration in church circles or anywhere else is nothing. It's vanity and it's going to come to nothing. And if we're seeking for that, then God help us. And He will help us. Okay? He will help us. He was a servant of the Most High God. He was not confused. He wasn't divided. He wasn't conflicted. That's the word people use. He wasn't conflicted. He wasn't torn between, oh, what do I do? Whatever shall I say when I'm brought before these kings? He didn't care if there had been 50 kings there. It didn't matter. He didn't care if there's a guillotine waiting to the side to deal with him when he's through. Okay? He's going not confused about who he serves or what he's going to say. He's coming there and he's speaking the word of the Lord. Wouldn't it have been easier for him? And the thought has to come into our minds, right? Wouldn't it be easier for him just to call it kind of fall in line? Just say what they're saying. He's got 400 men, two kings here. Say what you're saying. Go back home. You know, whatever happens, happens. You won't be the only one that made a mistake if it's a mistake. Y'all know it was a mistake. Just, this isn't, wasn't even part of our sermon. They went to fight. Okay, because God had put a hook basically in Ahab's. He says, how am I going to draw him to, to, to his death, basically? Here's what I'll do. I'm going to draw him to battle against the Syrians. Ahab was killed that next day in the fight. Took an arrow between, uh, it penetrated right between his armor and he stayed up till the sun went down and he fell and died. And it says that was a fulfillment of God's prophecy. And the dogs licked his blood and ate him up. Okay, because God was judging him and dealing with them. But wouldn't it have been easier for uh, Micaiah just to fall in line? Just you know, you can still serve God. Just right now at this moment, just just say what they're saying. But Micaiah again, he's a servant of the Most High God, and he he wasn't confused. He didn't have a hidden agenda. That's one thing that's good about just serving the Lord. You know, come what comes. What happens, happens. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to try to serve God with all my heart. He's going to help me. And I might make a mistake along the way and my Savior will show me I made a mistake and forgive me. I'm going to get up and keep walking. But I don't have some hidden agenda about it. I'm just going to walk with God. I can sleep at night that way. Amen? It's a blessing to be that way. And God wants us to be that way. But... Um, no desire for self-glory or the recognition of men or earthly gain. Uh, no checking the opinion polls to see what's most popular. I'm talking about even within the church. Forget the world. We know we're outcasts to the world. But I'm talking about within the house of God or what calls itself the, the church in our day and age and the people of God. He was an oddity even among the church crowd. But can I tell you, he was known to God. He was known to God. He was loved by His God. He's known in heaven. He was blessed and kept and strengthened and, and rewarded by His God. And that's the rewards we want. Amen? 
We want the ones that He gives. We want the accolades that He gives. We want the peace in our hearts that He gives. We want the joy in our hearts that He gives. Now, I've got another long, pretty long passage of Scripture I want to read. Again, I don't think we'll be uh, actually too much longer, but I want you to turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 13, 1 through 16. Ezekiel 13, 1 through 16, and then we'll skip and read towards the end of the chapter. So just follow this with me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, this is Ezekiel speaking, saying, he was a true prophet, okay? The Son of Man prophesy against the prophets of Israel. I want you to prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say, say thou unto them that prophesy where? Out of their own hearts. You know, we hear people say, oh, it just speaks with such heart or they speak from their heart. Well, the Bible says out of the heart of man comes all these sinful things. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked above all who can know it. I want to speak by the Spirit by the Holy Spirit, I want to. If I speak, or I want to speak. Thus saith the Lord. I want to speak from God's Word. My own heart may seem really right, even to me, that I'm really convinced of this myself, and and it not be right. Okay, but the Lord's dealing with. They prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. This is what they say. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the, the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the, the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel. They weren't intercessors to really stand before the Lord and help the people of Israel. Okay, To stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divinations, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain vision and have you not spoken a lying divination? Whereas you say, thus saith the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. Doesn't matter if you and I are against them in one sense, the Lord's against it. Okay? They can repent, anybody can repent. But he says, I'm against you. And my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. I picture that as being they're building a wall, they're building a doctrine, they're building a, a life or a lifestyle that they're prophesying and preaching to the people. And it says they've daubed it with untempered mortar. I've got bricks here, a steps in the floors. And I think the tempered part would be that which quickens and hardens it and holds it together. And they put it all together. It looks great. It's got the brick and everything. It's even got the mortar in there. But you've daubed it or, or put it together with untempered mortar. And he's going to say what's going to happen to that. Uh, say unto them which daubed it with untempered mortar that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower and ye, O great hailstone, shall, shall fall and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, wherewith is the daubing with you have daubed it? They're going to say, where's all that? You've built our, our doctrine upon, our lives upon. Where is it all? 
you know, you <coughs> preach to us and it's going to fall one day and they're going to say, where is all that that you said? It didn't come to pass at all like you said. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury and there shall be an overflowing shower in my anger and a great hailstone in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that ye have daubed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered and it shall fall and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof and ye shall know that I am the Lord. He's going to bring it down to a point where it's exposed, where it's discovered that that foundation, I don't think he has any real pleasure in it, but he's going to do it because nothing's going to stand in his name that's not his name. And he's going to bring it down. He's going to expose the foundations to say this foundation that was laid for all this time and all these years and so many people went along with it was not of me. This was not of me. And he's going to prove it. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar and will say unto them, the, the wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. To wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. Two more scriptures. The end of the chapter, 22 and 23. Here's what he's, gonna, he's angry about. Him. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore you shall see no more vanity, nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. All I can say to that is wow and amen. Okay? Wow and amen to that. And I want to speak just for a second on this, on verses 22 and 3, specifically 22, because with lies, he's speaking about these false prophets, you've made the heart of the righteous sad. There are righteous people that walk uprightly before the Lord. And because of their prophesying and preaching, they've taken the hearts of the righteous and made them sad. He says, whom I have not made sad. I didn't make them sad, but through your lies, you've made the heart of the righteous sad. And God didn't do it. These, these false prophets did. And you've strengthened the hands of the wicked. In other words, you've, in your, through your preaching and through your prophesying, you've actually encouraged the wicked in their wickedness and strengthened them to where they won't repent and come back because they think they're doing great and everything's wonderful and God's going to reward them for, for the way that they're living. Two things God had a real particular righteous that were living righteous and made their hearts sad and I didn't make them sad, you did it. And you've taken wicked people who are, I'm drawing and begging with all my heart to repent and come back to me, and you've strengthened them and told them you're prospering. Keep going in your wickedness. And I, I want to talk about this for just a moment. And, and, and I want to talk about the fact that the Lord, specifically that verse, the heart of the righteous being mad, made sad by the false prophets. And that kind of struck me as I was studying. Because you might say, well, what does joy have to do? We're talking about deception and false prophets and the truth and lies and error. And on all that deception, what does joy have to do with that? I think it has a lot to do with that. Because if you're following someone that's uh, something, some belief system, even in the church, you understand what I'm saying? We're not talking about Buddhism, Hinduism. We're talking about within the heading of the Bible, and thus saith the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're following something that's false. The heart of the righteous is going to be sad. You may not even put your finger on it. But it's not going to be that the joy that the Lord wants you and I to have 
under that or in that or following after that is not going to be there. But we are in the truth. The heart of the Lord, the righteous is going to rejoice in the truth. We will rejoice in the truth, even if it's hard. Micaiah rejoiced in the truth, but he was thrown into prison. I don't know if he ever got there because the battle was the next day and Ahab died. I bet the Lord probably never let him go there to the prison. But he rejoiced in the truth. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Psalm 19, verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The statutes of the Lord is what brings that joy. And the command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I'll tell you this, the false prophets and the false teachers and the false doctrines, they speak much of joy. They speak much of love. They speak much of freedom. They, but that yet they actually experience so little of it themselves. Okay? And they're actually leading others into a depression and a darkness and a heaviness and a sorrow of heart and, a, and a, some type of bondage. While all the while, all the while, joy, 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 liberty, liberty, liberty. We're not like those over there. We have such liberty and joy. And you look in their face and there's no joy. You look in their heart and there's no joy. You look in their homes, there's no joy. Not the joy of the Lord. It's not there. Because they're trying to follow after something and wanting so hard to believe something that's false. And God is not in it. And God's the one that rejoices the heart. And so they're missing out on that. Just listen to this. I'm going to read it from 2 Peter 2, 18 and 19. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, great swelling words, but they're what? Of vanity. Great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. And he goes on to say, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. So they promise liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. How can they bring it to somebody else, a liberty, when they themselves are servants of that? But they promise it. They promise it. Okay? It's only the truth that brings that light. Then I'm talking about that light of life and that darkness and that singleness of, of our eyes and the purity in our hearts and minds. It's only the truth that does that. Nothing else will do that. That in the name of the truth won't do it. It has to be the truth. It has to be Christ Himself that does that. And the Bible says, These things write we unto you that your joy might be full. John is saying, I'm writing all and testifying of Christ that we've seen and handled and touched Him. And Him is no darkness at all, but only light. And He tells them to... Uh, to, to uh, sin not and things like this. I'm telling you, we're writing this unto you that your joy might be full. Okay? Again, the false prophets brought sadness and sorrow of heart to the heart of the righteous because of their lies. The truth is what's going to bring that joy. These things we write unto you that your joy might be full. The Bible says a lie cannot produce that no matter how passionate. And I'm about to close. No matter how spiritual. It may sound, no matter how loving, how passionate the plea, how persistent the plea is, how adamant the plea is, the false can never bring that joy and light and life and liberty that Christ has promised us. Even if it's in His name, the false can never bring it. It won't produce it. Only Jesus Christ Himself can impart that. It comes first through salvation, knowing our sins are forgiven, our guilty sins, sin-stained conscience and heart 
has been cleansed. Our mind is being renewed day by day. God has made us His very own habitation as His children. He's made us His sons and daughters. And we walk with Him. There's not another way. There's only the way. Okay? Jesus Christ. And it's found in the Scriptures that the, the Lord's laid out for us. Don't follow after the false no matter how good and Christian it sounds. Don't. No matter how right it might, might seem, may seem, God is going to judge the false. We've seen that. And He's also going to confirm the truth. He'll make it known. The dust will settle. And guess what? Even Micaiah said, you know what? Zedekiah, you slapped me in the face and all that. He didn't you know, get down on Zedekiah's level. He simply said, you know what? If, if you come in peace, and he said that to the king as well, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. How about that? So we'll see what's fulfilled tomorrow. And what was fulfilled tomorrow is what the man of God said would be fulfilled. Ahab didn't return in peace. He died out there as a judgment of the Lord. Okay, Jehoshaphat didn't. He came back safely from the battle. And uh, I just want to close with this, with this thought that you and I are called to be salt and light. Seems like I'm all over the place, but I don't feel like it is. We're called to be salt and light, servants of the Most High God. This is not a story about Micaiah. This is a story about you and I in our day. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're God's possession. We're to be called, uh, we're to be the sons and daughters and the people of God for this hour. Men, you ought to be the man of God for your hour. Okay? And women ought to be the woman of God for your hour in which we live. Wouldn't it be easier just to fall in line with, I'm not saying the world, to fall in line with the church world to a large extent and just go with it. Everybody's accepting homosexuality and they're all ordaining uh, transgender people for this and that. And, and uh, let's just keep our mouths shut. Let's kind of go along with that. We still be Christians. Still love the Lord and serve the Lord. But God's looking for His man or woman for the hour. There is yet one man, Ahab said, and even Ahab recognized it. There's yet one man besides these 400 yahoos you know, who are prophesying just what I want them to hear. And Micaiah said, and I'm going to close with this. He said, and back in what we opened with in verse 19, I have it written down. He says, And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne and all the host of heaven standing by Him on His right hand and on His left. And I begin to think about that. There's a major difference between those 400 prophets and this one man. He said, I saw the Lord. Amen. Amen? I saw the Lord sitting on His throne. I saw angels on His right hand and on His left hand. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to see. That's who I want to walk with. That's who I want to speak for. That's who I want to yield to because He's going to fill me with His joy. He's not going to make my heart sad. False prophet will through their lying. Oh, they'll hug you and everything else and kiss you and tell you they love you and your family. But a lie is a lie and it's not going to rejoice the heart. God's going to rejoice the heart. And He's going to do it. And He's going to judge the false. How long did He let in Ezekiel's day, what we just read, how long did those false prophets go before the Lord judged it? I have no idea. Might have been a long time. Might have been a short time. I don't know. But He did deal with it. 
He dealt with it his way and in his time, and he said, when it's all said and done, you'll know I'm the Lord. Okay? And Dee or, or William, you can come up now. I just want to close with that thought that in our day and age, there is yet one man, it was said of Micaiah, and I don't think there has to be just one, but in 2018, right now in May of 2018, in the condition of the world, in the condition of the church world, all right, there are many wonderful godly believers and pastors. I've never claimed, nor would I ever claim, that I have a monopoly on the truth. I'm saying this is the truth. Walk in it. If I was dead, I would say walk in this, okay? It's not about me, and it's not necessarily about this church. It's about walking in the truth, okay? But it's getting more and more scarce in our day. I will say that. Even within Christianity, for somebody to grab the bull by the horns, so to speak, grab the truth and lay hold on the truth and say, I'm going to go this way. Do what you want. Come with me if you want. Certainly we want people to come. But God wants to have that man or that woman who, like Micaiah, put me in prison. Feed me the bread of affliction. Give me the water of affliction. This is the king saying it, but i got a king above you, king. He's got it all under control. That's the one I saw sitting on his throne. I want to be in prayer with the Lord, and I don't always, but I want to be in prayer with the Lord where I see the Lord like Micaiah saw the Lord. His angels on his right hand and his left worshiping around the throne of God. And I'll just join them. Amen? I'll just join them and start worshiping the Lord. I'm going to see that. And once you've seen the Lord, you're not going to be persuaded by two horns of brass saying, Thus saith the Lord, with these you're going to consume the Syrians. We're not, we won't be fooled by that. We'll know the Lord. And we'll walk with Him. And that's where He wants us to be. This is not a sermon about shame on the false prophets. It includes that. This is a sermon about let's see the Lord high and lifted up. Because all that other stuff is going to be melt away and become nothing. And it'll hold no place in your heart and in your mind. You see Him lifted up. All the false. You'll be able to nail it like that. You'll be able to see it. And you'll have compassion and pray for Him. But you won't be part of it. Amen? Y'all stand this morning. Let's worship the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Ask God to open and lighten your eyes spiritually. I know I am. I want to see the Lord high and lifted up on His throne. I want to see Him rightly. Not just as some, uh, some bring Him down to our level. I want to see Him as He is on His level. I want to see Him high and lifted up. His train filling the temple like Isaiah's on. I want to know that my God can keep me from the truth and the false. Behold, I've told you this before, he said.